Just a heads up y'all, this episode contains mature content and potty mouth language that you might not want your mama or little kids to hear. But the story is a doozy so you might want to put on headphones or save it for later. Welcome to the All Y'all Podcast. I'm Sarah Abair. And I'm Chris J. Sarah and I produce All Y'all independently right here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Thanks to everybody who came out for our live storytelling event on Friday, July 26th. We heard stories about psychedelic drugs, snow cones, church homes, chat rooms, and more. Thank you all for making our 16th live event so unforgettable. Oh, and mark your calendars for September 28th, 2019, when we'll be returning with All Y'all live going through it at LSU Shreveport's University Center. Going through it will be our sixth annual Fit into Award fundraiser and we'll be raising money for a great cause benefiting mental health. We're recruiting storytellers on the theme of going through it right now. If you think you've got one, please call us at 318-582-0665 and leave a message. Again, that's 318-582-0665. We hope to hear from some of y'all. So this past June, Chris and I were really excited to participate in the Stonewall Out Loud project from StoryCorps. And StoryCorps is a national program with the mission to preserve and share humanity's stories in order to build connections between people and create a more just and compassionate world. You may have heard a story from their awesome program on your local NPR affiliate. During the month of June 2019, thousands of people collected stories from LGBTQ elders to honor the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. And we captured a few interviews right here in the All Y'all Home Studio. We're linking to the full interviews at allyallblog.com, but we're also taking a few samples from three interviews to share with you right here on our podcast. But before we hear those stories, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor, Maryland's Place, a long-term ally of the LGBTQ community here in Shreveport. If you're looking for a good po' boy, North Louisiana's best beignets, and a place that accepts everyone for exactly who they are, Maryland's Place is where you need to head. Pride isn't just a month or a slogan or a marketing campaign here. It's a year-round celebration of people who make our community great. Stop by anytime at 4041 Fern Avenue and tell them that all y'all sent you, please. Thank you, Maryland's Place, for sponsoring great community stories. We really appreciate you. And on that note, let's hear a brief story from Randy Mulder, who is just this amazing human who grew up in East Texas. And after he left home, Randy found himself living in Dallas as a young, very handsome gay man. And I spent nearly two hours talking with Randy on tape, and he has enough stories to fill an 800-page sensational autobiography. As an attractive young gay man, Randy quickly fit into the Dallas gay bar scene where he quickly became involved in drugs, sex, and even prostitution. And while he worked as a prostitute, he was working the steps of the Dallas City Hall. That was like his spot. And he had a life-changing encounter with a client. But interestingly enough, one of the most life-changing things that I will never forget happened to me on that corner when a van, a white van pulled up and had ADT on it. It's right, ADT security company first came out. And this white van pulls up the window, goes down. And my MO was to walk up to the window. Are you looking for some company? In case you're talking to a cop. And are you looking for some company? Well, yeah, I get on in. So I get in the van with this man who looked to be about 40. Real big, real large man, kind of balding. And I noticed he had a real sizable scar from the bottom of his ear that went on down into his shirt. And I got in the car and he says, you know, would you mind if we went to my apartment? What's your money? Tick tock. What's your money? 
So way out Abrams Road, Northwest Highway, way out in North Dallas, a good 30, 40 minutes away. We go to this man's apartment and I walk in there. It's very stark. He has all the video equipment from the company in there. So he takes me back to his bedroom where he's got a caddy corner king size bed in there. He says, would you like a cup? Sure. So he's going to get the cup. When he comes back, I'm spread eagle in the middle of the bed, ready to go. And he sits down on the foot of the bed and he says, Randy, why don't you come scoot down here and sit with me for a minute? So I scoot down, sat with him for a minute, and he looked at me, and this man said to me, you know why I picked you up on the corner? And I said, well, he said, I'm going to pay you. He goes, but I picked you up off the corner because you look like a beautiful little lost kid, and I just wanted to get you off the street corner for a little bit. That was my first taste of unconditional love from anybody, except my Aunt Mary. This man, that was unconditional love to me. And we did fool around a little bit, but when he took his clothes off, guess what I saw? Whole body looked like a road map of Texas. And I'm like, what happened? This man had accidentally walked into an airplane propeller and lived to tell about it. So his body was scarred all over. And he had stacks and stacks of photo albums, and I saw all the pictures from the beginning to the end of the thousands, tens of thousands of stitches and dozens of surgeries he had had. And it it will I'll never forget this man that survived an airplane propeller, cared enough about a street urchin to pick him up off the street and still pay him his fifty dollars just to get him off the street for a little bit. How amazing who who how amazing is this? Just a little side story. Well, I'm curious. I, I realize this may sound like a naive question, but you guys didn't keep in touch. No, Did you never saw that again? man. No, he, paid, he took me and dropped me off in front of JR's Bar and Grill, gave me a $50 bill, and I never saw him again. And I'm sure he's long dead now, <laughs> but I'll never forget him. Never, never in my life. Never. You can hear all of Randy's interview at the StoryCorps website or by visiting our website at allyallblog.com to find links to that story. So next, I spoke with Deborah Allen, who has been an activist for gay rights since the 80s, beginning with the founding of ACT UP Shreveport, an organization that fought to educate Shreveport's community about HIV AIDS and provide care for those who really needed it. And she did all of this while she was a working single mother raising four amazing kids. It's just an unbelievable story. But what I really needed to know is how she found time to date while being an activist and like a full-time mom. And this is such a personal question, but I'm going to ask it. What was your love life like during this time? Were you dating? Um, well, my first girlfriend was when I was 17. She was 16 in high school. I found out I was pregnant. I had been dating my child's father before that and then found I was pregnant and she left town you know and my parents and he pressured me and get married so I married him went on to have more kids with him so I was so madly in love with her you know I was heartbroken that I was gonna have to marry this guy you know but I mean I had four amazing children from it but it, it, it didn't end well at all we divorced after 15 years and then I had I just dated Whoever, you know, I wanted to when I was single again. Women, men, you know, being pansexual, all that didn't matter to me. You know, anyone on the spectrum can be attracted to me, you know, so. <laughs> what Did that make dating complicated? Like, um, 
I mean, did people understand that language that like you just kind of loved who you loved? Oh, no. Because uh-uh. there, I mean, straight people didn't want to date you because the, the only word for it then was bisexual, you know? So if you were labeled bisexual, straight people didn't want to date you because, you know, no telling what you would do. And then gay people didn't want to date you because no, you'd go back to being straight. So it really was isolating, you know, isolate you. But now that, now that, you know, now I feel like I fit in because there are new words for all sorts of things we didn't have back then, you know, so. When the first time that you heard the term pansexual, were you like, oh, that's me? Yeah, de- totally, totally. You know, first of all, I, I had seen the word, so I went and Googled it, and I was like, oh my God, I found my people. <laughs> 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 what did it feel like to have a word to describe you? It, it I, I didn't feel this isolated anymore. My whole life I had felt like I didn't fit in. And then now I do. So at this late age in life, I finally fit in. Yeah. How, how old were you when I'm, you... Oh. How old were you when you discovered, like, pansexuality was a thing? Oh, just a or few like a years label. ago. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah, yeah. So you must have just felt like, finally, like this like right. whole world opened to you. <laughs> as, as do a lot of people in our community that didn't have a word... Um, like um, transgender people, they just had one word, transsexual, you know, and now there's just so many different ways to describe it. So I totally can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That was something that, that struck me is it's like, we have a vocabulary now that's really clear that we can talk to people like, I mean, how, like, did it ever come up that you had to like explain to someone like how you wanted to date or like, I don't remember having to explain it, you know, I just, I don't remember having to like, oh, I'm bisexual or whatever the term was at the time, you know, just dated, you know, <laughs> I was really lucky, lucky to be in a bubble of a real, you know, tight fit community in Shreveport. There's one thing, there's lots of bad things you can say about Shreveport, but the gay community in this town love each other. And that doesn't happen very often in other places either. But we really stick together and take care of each other here. And that's always been that way. If you're interested in learning more about ACT UP Shreveport, we highly recommend seeking out the documentary film Small Town Rage, which chronicles the work that Deborah and other HIV AIDS activists in North Louisiana did in the 70s and the 80s. Just Google Small Town Rage documentary for more information. Our final story core sample comes from a conversation with David Radford, who struggled with addiction, he beat cancer, and he even overcame the complexities of growing up gay in Shreveport. He is a victorious, wonderful man. And I loved every minute of our conversation, but what struck me was the moment that David knew something was different about him and how it shaped his childhood. But before we hear from David, we want to say a quick thank you to our podcast sponsor, Max Centric. Like a lot of local businesses, Maccentric has to fight twice as hard to compete with national chains. One way that you can help them win that fight is by leaving a Google review for their business. If Maccentric has ever repaired or serviced your Apple products, please consider leaving them a Google review today. Okay, so now here's that story from David Radford. I had a relatively good childhood. My dad was on the fire department here in Shreveport. So you see, I was, it was kind of weird because he was more of the, the country person and me, I was not. 
but my parents are still married. They just celebrated their 54th wedding anniversary. I never felt like I was um, really a part of because I always knew I was different, but I just didn't know what. And that didn't come along until I was probably about eight years old when I actually realized what was going on with me. What made you realize that you were different somehow? Well, even watching cartoons. When I grew up, the super friends were the big cartoons. My favorite was Aquaman. And I was, I had a crush on Aquaman when I was a little bitty child. And my friends and everything, they always liked Wonder Woman. Oh. And I didn't. I liked her costume, but I liked Aquaman. And I think that was the beginning that I really felt that I knew that I liked men instead of women and that I was gay. Back in the 70s, we didn't know what that was called. It wasn't discussed. I come from a very religious background. My mother's family started the church that we attended. My dad was also, besides being a fireman, he was also a minister there. When I was born, he was their youth minister. So I, it wasn't talked about. And you know, that was um, kind of difficult at times. I didn't have anyone to say, hey, why do I like Aquaman instead of Wonder Woman? I know it's a bad analogy, but that's how, how I felt. I didn't know. I didn't know what was wrong with me. How did, how did you start talking to people about your feelings and emotions? Who, who was the first person you, you asked about it? I didn't until I was about 14. I kept all of that and I just knew something was wrong with me and I didn't know what. At that point, I thought I was defective. Um, I know this may stray a little bit off, but you know, um, I started drinking when I was real young and it was my way of dealing with my feelings and coping. How did, how did that present itself as a solution to you? Like, do you remember the first time you started drinking? Yes, I do. I was about 12 years old and when I drank, when I had that first drinking and I got drunk the first time I drank, all of those insecurities and fears of what other people thought disappeared. And I was okay. For the first time in my life, I was okay with who I was. And you know, in the seventies, we didn't talk about that. But for me, I was, I was, I was happy. Did alcohol give you the ability to talk to people about the way that you felt? Yes, it did. Alcohol did. And I, I was, I was able to open up. And luckily for me, I went to a very good high school. I opened up Cato Magnet and I was the first class there. And you know, we had openly gay teachers there and we had a lot of openly gay students and I felt a part of for the first time in my entire life. Do you remember the first time that you interacted with someone who was openly gay? Uh, yeah, basically <laughs> I was kind of scared because there were, there were other people at our school that weren't real open, but this young man, he was very flamboyant and still is to this day. He's a, he's a drag queen down in New Orleans. 
and he was very flamboyant and I was really scared to even be friends with him because I didn't want to be classed as one of him because he was so flamboyant and I wasn't at that point. I tried to live the straight life because I had to be the perfect son and for me to be the perfect son, I had to find a girlfriend. Luckily for me, I found a girlfriend who was a lesbian. Really? Yes. What was it like dating someone who also... We both knew and we were um, each other's sh shade, basically. She knew and we talked about it and I, and I told her. And we're still friends today. And I said, Caroline, I, I'm gay, I think. I like looking at guys. And she said, well, I like looking at girls. <laughs> we're perfect together. There is so much more from David, Debbie, and Randy that's worth hearing. We've linked to the full StoryCorps archives of their stories on our website at allyallblog.com. Again, that's allyallblog.com. And if hearing this made you want to tell your own story, don't forget we're seeking storytellers for our September 28th live storytelling event, Going Through It. We're looking for stories about facing and overcoming challenges, fighting back, and persevering. We will be donating 100% of the proceeds from All Y'all Live going through it to a deserving organization or individual that helps people struggling with mental health during times of crisis. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please share it on social media. This helps us so much more than you know. And if you really want to do something kind, please write us a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Reviews help new listeners discover what we're up to here and... I, they just make me feel really good whenever I see someone saying nice about what we're doing with all y'all. We actually had another podcaster from, I, I can't remember what state he was from. Minnesota? But Minnesota. Right? He wrote and said, how did y'all get so many reviews on iTunes? Because we have like 25 now. And I just wrote him back and I was like, people are awesome. I have no idea. Sarah, if you had to write a, a review of Bowser, our 12-year-old our Basset Hound, what, how would you review him? This... 11-year-old Basset Hound mm -hmm. is better than any 11-year-old scotch you might drink. Oh, I like it. Aged to perfection, occasionally farts. Sweet, aromatic, and loving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, as, as full of love and joy as he is intestinal gas. <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for listening. <laughs>